0: Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable with Dr. Conway Edwards. Today, I'm your host, Matt Anderson, and we are so grateful that you're here to join us. And our goal at this podcast is to bring leaders from around the country, around the area, together to sit at the table and to talk leadership and to talk about what's going on in our world today. So today, we're uh, super thrilled to have back again to our podcast, Pastor Brian LaRitz from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship all the way from California. Yes, sir. What's going on, Brian? Man,
1: good to be here, although it's the middle of summer right. and the
0: heat here is ungodly. It's yes. just
1: ungodly, so. <laughs>
0: um, we're wondering what's going on here. Yep. It was so nice for for so long and now the heat is
1: here. Yes, I'm ready to get back, but anyways. Going
0: back to Cali. Yep. Well, uh, Brian, today we wanted to pick your brain and just talk about what it looks like to transition a church, to come in and and be a part of a leadership transition specifically when a church has gone through, um, one of the unthinkable things that happen in church is a moral failure or something tragic happens. How do we then begin to process how we pick up the pieces and come in and be a part of transitioning God's church when they've gone through something so horrible?
1: Yeah. So I, I think a couple of things, uh, I would say number one, you can't come in shadow boxing
0: your predecessor.
1: And, um, I think, I think in general, that's a temptation for anyone who's called to an already established church, mm-hmm. right. Wow. Is to build your sense of identity by kind of poking holes at what your predecessor did mm-hmm. and the Bible calls it self-righteousness. Wow. So I think you've got to come in with humility mm-hmm. and especially when you're coming on the heels. Of a, of a person who God had used greatly but there was some moral stuff that that happened and you got to come in and just go but for the grace of God that's me wow yes um and that's the posture you just have to have so personally you know all of us as pastors I think we've all done stuff that if it got exposed right. we're we're probably going to be dismissed or at least sat down because none of us are perfect right you know john Piper talks about Preaching is hypocrisy because we all preach this perfect standard, but we're imperfect people. Right. And so once I come in and just go, imagine if someone had a camera and he were follow me around my every move. I don't need that. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. So be humble. Uh, absolutely be humble. So I think that's that's the first thing. I think secondly is you're dealing with a group of people who have just been incredibly hurt and wounded mm-hmm. and for me, I couldn't say yes to that opportunity unless I, I came in going, I, I'm going to come in minimum five to 10 years. Because mm-hmm. what these people need is a some long-term stability and health. Okay. And so now I come in, I go, okay, unless the Lord just does something crazy, I'm here long-term. Mm-hmm. And what they need is a hug. Mm-hmm. They really need a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And I would just say the first kind of behavioral thing you need to do is to be highly relational. Mm. Uh, They they don't necessarily need your dynamic preaching, although that that helps, Mm -hmm. or vision casting. They had that in the guy before. What they need is just an an arm around the shoulder. Mm -hmm. I love you, I care about you, I'm here for you, I, I wanna just listen. And then like in any other context, I think the greatest gift I can give to pastoring in general, but especially those who have been wounded deeply, um, is just a faithful, committed walk with Christ. Mm. And if I can just do those things, I think I I set the environment up for just success. And I'm four years in, coming up on four years in. the, the, The rule of thumb is when you walk into an existing situation, they say for the first five years minimum, you're the preacher, not the pastor. Wow. Right? So the pastor may be your title, mm-hmm. but you've got to earn that. And that's that's true here. I feel like some people are just starting to let their guards down. Okay. It's like dating a woman who's just had a, had a string of bad guys.
0: You know what I'm right. saying? Who she right. gave
1: her heart to, right? but they cheated on her or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, the new guy coming in, she's not going to all of a sudden just give you, you don't have to put your time in. Mm-hmm. And so it is with the, with, with the people of God. So I've just be humble, uh, be highly relational, lock in and just have the mindset I'm here for a long, long time mm-hmm. and shepherd those people. I think that's that's phase one.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what when you talk about you, you talk about not shadow boxing the predecessor yep. do, does that when you step into that situation, do you have others that are already there that are trying to do that? Oh, absolutely. So how do you battle uh, others that may be ready to fight and throw their dukes up? How do you in the, come into the middle of that situation and try to tame that down, calm that down? What, is, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, in our situation what had happened, God had used this pastor in an amazing way. And, and by the way, we're we're building a friendship and I love him dearly. We we just honored him for the way God wow. used him. So, I, I would say that's the other thing that that you need to do is just make sure instead of shadow boxing as much as you can just honor, mm-hmm. right? Cuz you you don't want to be used as an agent of division. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can honor the past, especially with the older saints, that'll actually that'll actually take you places with them and earn mm-hmm. you a lot of street cred with them. But what it'll also do is it'll silence those who were just beefing and griping mm-hmm. and complaining about the previous person. For you to honor that person, it's your way of saying, yeah, that's not going to work here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to build an identity off of what this person did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a lot of ways what happens is in existing churches, when there's a pastoral shift, A lot of these churches will swing the pendulum to the other direction. So if your predecessor, let's say, uh, was just a great preacher but not really a strong leader, Mm -hmm. they'll then swing and go, we just need a strong leader, and we'll just go in the opposite direction. Or if they were a strong administrator, Mm -hmm. right, but preaching wasn't really their strong suit, well, we just need a strong preacher. Well, then what happens is because you're the opposite of what what was, Mm -hmm. it's just too easy to go, this person didn't, this person didn't, this person Mm -hmm. didn't. When in reality, when you transition on, the next person is going to be able to do the same thing to you, right? Wow. So what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. And if you can just honor, uh, that's huge. And so I came in just needing to be like, I need to know the history of this church. And I want to come in and I want to praise it. But at the same time, here's what I said. I said to the elders in the hiring process, if you're looking for me to restore the glory days of what was, this ain't the history channel. Right. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be uniquely who God's called me to be with all of the assets and liabilities that come with that. And here's the vision. And this is how we're forging ahead. Mm -hmm. And let's get everybody on the same page. So what happened was our church had built up to 7,000 people. um, And then, unfortunately, the deal happens with the pastor. He leaves. A a new leader comes on a couple uh, years later who Mm -hmm. promptly splits the church. And then when I come on a couple years after that, so seven years after the moral failure, we're now down to about 300. Wow. And it's just, it's a mess, man. It's an absolute mess. And then the shrapnel that happens with that. So the real woundedness wasn't necessarily the moral failure. Mm -hmm. It was the church split that happened after that. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost like dealing with the kids of a divorced Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. right? So some of their siblings went off to be with the new church and the new right. pastor. The other siblings stay here. Uh, then when a funeral happens with someone at the other right. church who used to go to this church, they want to use our facilities to have the funeral. It's like going to a funeral that never ends.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's it's messy, man. And I think what you said, honoring your predecessor. Yeah. We don't do a good enough job in the church at that. No, not at all. And it. It's hard because, like you said, we, we all—if we got followed around—we all are just a product of grace. Yep. And um, I just feel like a lot of times churches, when somebody falls, we kind of just kick them to the curb. Absolutely. And
1: out. But listen, uh, C.S. Lewis says the fountainhead to all vices is, is pride, right? Mm-hmm. So again, why do I poke holes in my predecessor? Well, there's there's pride there, and that's why I'm just a big believer in, this is going to sound a little counterintuitive on a leadership podcast, my identity cannot be in, in, in my position. Mm-hmm. It cannot be in the fact that I'm a pastor right. or a leader. Right. So I am not the size of my church. Mm-hmm. I am not the quality of my sermons. I, I, I'm none of those things. So I've got to have some gospel distance. Well, now that I have some gospel mm-hmm. distance between who I am in Christ and what I do, I'm now free to honor this person because I'm not looking at him as competition. Right. Right. But so this is just core. Who am I as a leader? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's that's what helps us to do those things.
0: Wow. Um, what, what would you say? How would you minister to the individual at the church who's broken because of this, who says, you know what, I've followed, I've invested. And now um, this person's fallen or done, done something that I never could have imagined. Um, how, how do I follow anything they've taught me in the past, because I hear people struggle with that yeah. before. I'm, I'm so broken. I'm so disappointed. So how, where do I go from here? Well, on the one hand,
1: Matt, most of them left. Mm-hmm. So okay. literally overnight, the church went from 7,000 to 3,500. Wow. Right? Um, part of that is because the church had an attractional model of ministry. Okay. So when, when, when I build a church around a charismatic personality mm-hmm. and not really Jesus, that's almost amusement park church. Mm-hmm. Well, people come to an amusement park to experience the euphoria of the ride right. but when the ride breaks down i don't know if i want to come back yeah so that encourages me to say as a leader i better build this thing on something that can be sustained long after i'm gone mm-hmm. so so that's that's the first thing so the person you're talking about 98% of them left mm-hmm. So, But here's here's what you feel as a leader. Yeah. You still got that 2% who are still there, the mm-hmm. faithful remnant. Praise God for them. Then you come in as a leader who's called to shepherd them, but you're also called to give vision. Well, guess what? Some of my vision is different than what they signed up for with the previous leader, mm-hmm. and they're longing for the glory days. Isn't that, isn't that Israel? Man, let's go back to Egypt. Right. <laughs> the food was great. We didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Well, so it's almost like, like a double whammy. They're hurting from what just happened. Mm-hmm. Then you come in changing some things. And when it comes to change, Craig Rochelle says there's always three kinds of people there's uh, critics, mm-hmm. advocates, and bystanders. Mm-hmm. That language was really helpful for me. Once it came time for me to lay out vision to this group of people who had been hurting, right. I'm saying, well, we got to go forward. Uh, that's Joshua chapter one. I love it. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's dead. Right. We still gotta go forward. Mm-hmm. There's new things we need to lay claim to, of. That beloved pastor, God's still using him, but he's not here
0: anymore. Right. What, how do you make that transition from old vision to new vision? Moses is gone. We gotta press on. How, like, what, what are the probabilities or the, the challenges of getting people to adopt a new vision? What does that look like? So, I, listen. Um, Is it even possible?
1: Yes. But, but Matt, some people disagree with me. I think any leader walking into a new situation, mm-hmm. you got to do a dance. It's a, You have a small window of time. On the one hand, they're excited about you being there. Right. So they're expecting you to lead. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they don't want you to change too much. Okay. So you, you need to change something. But you probably shouldn't make any seismic, substantive changes mm-hmm. until you've built up enough relational capital, mm-hmm. right? So for me, I just, I just tinkered a little bit with the worship service. In my situation, it's unique, especially coming on the heels of a moral failure mm-hmm. uh, where the church got cut from 7,300. We're, we're hemorrhaging money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, I don't have time to just really wait on a whole lot. We got bills to pay, right? So I had to come in and just rip the Band-Aid off. So we got rid of some staff um, and we we honored them, we honored the staff. We did a big, um, you know, reception for them, gave them nice gifts, people understood, right? So in my case, in in a moral failure where you're dealing with staff concerns, budget concerns, I had to move a lot quicker mm-hmm. and I think the people understood that but in general
0: I'd say move slower so so you talked about that you just said there's a narrow window yeah um, how long do you think that window practically lasts for somebody to transition if if you're coming in and you're transitioning into a new role if it's a traumatic situation has happened what when do you need to or is there even a time frame for Shifting from relationship building to building that capita to, to now sh- casting vision.
1: A, a lot of it depends on growth, okay. right? So I think I, for a season, I've got to do all of it. Mm-hmm. I just I just have to do all of it. And then growth will really de- determine what you're talking about, okay. right? So as the church expands, then my, my leadership base expands. Mm-hmm. And I'm bringing on more people who can take the vision and press it down. Mm-hmm. Until that happens, right? I've got to be the one who's got to actually uh, deposit those things and to really speak vision, cast vision, so on and so forth. But then I also got to come in going, where where are the trouble spots? Mm -hmm. Who are the people who just have a loud voice here? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't go well with them, it's just not going to go well and it's not going to go anywhere. I literally asked that question to the elders, and I got a list of people. And I just just hung out with them, befriended them. You got to leadership one on one the older i get it's all about relationships. so
0: you don't just kick them out no
1: <laughs> no 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 not n- not at all but right. i i told myself i'm going to give myself the first 2 years mm-hmm. to really just highly relational probably even into my 3rd year but at some point i got to be a bad guy mm-hmm. to some people and you got to be you got to be comfortable as a leader letting people go mm mm-hmm. mhm And by letting people go, I'm not talking about people on staff, although there's truth to that. I'm actually talking about people in the church because you're going to start making changes and people are going to go, wait a minute. That's not that's not the abundant life I knew. And -hmm. what happens to people is they Mm -hmm. oftentimes take a picture of the church, Mm -hmm. a photograph, not really not realizing the church is a movie. So they take a photograph of when it was the best in their eyes and they want it to stay that that way. Mm hmm. Well, stuff changes, man. And you'll get some people who are like, "I gotta go. This isn't all right. we We get it. Sorry, but we understand that., gotcha. and I know that sounds cold-blooded, but
0: yeah. yeah. now for the for the leader listening in with us today, when you say take time a year or two years to just relationship build those problem people, what did that practically look like? Is that coffees, lunches hanging out in the absence of trying to guide or direct? What did that practically look like? some steps for somebody listening of what you did to
1: it, it meant, um, church has my cell phone. Uh, uh-huh. it, it meant, uh, it means if you go online right now to ALCF.net, you go to the staff page and you click on my email link that doesn't go through anybody that comes directly to me.
0: Gotcha. Um, that's what that means. You have access to me. Mm-hmm. Now, as you went through that list of individuals, did some of them come around? Did some not come around? How did you process that? I'd say it's about 50-50. Uh-huh.
1: Some came around, some didn't. Yeah, you know,
0: that's cool. Um,
1: and uh, it's not that you're doing anything uh, you know, to be contentious or yeah. anything like that. Again, they're just going, I took a picture of this church, and this church is changing. It's not what it was. And I'm sorry, Pastor, but I got to go. And you
0: want to go, totally get it. May the Lord bless you. Let's yeah. be friends. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool strategy, uh, for for working with <laughs> the problem people. Uh-huh. Just love them. Yeah.
1: And I wouldn't even call them problem people. Mm-hmm. I, I would again. I would just say they're just not rigid. I mean, the, I'm sorry. They're not flexible. They're gotcha. rigid, and they're not willing to to bend towards the new direction. Because this they're going. still
0: hung up on that snapshot. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. Now, what does so you've got those, and then. What role does it play bringing in, you talked about briefly, but just wanted to go in more on bringing in new people and growth right. to aid in the vision that you're casting right. moving forward. What does that look like, bringing in new people that are fired up and then you have people who may still have that snapshot? How do they mesh together? And, and how important it is to get the new people on board?
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, just think from a staff perspective, Matt. Um, and I've got a great team. Um, But there's still some vestiges from two pastors ago. Mm -hmm. So just imagine being on staff and you come to church one Sunday and you hear the announcement, Yeah. this is what's what's going on with our pastor. Wow. Okay. We were a staff of 100 that when I got there had been whittled down to about 25. Right? And so you're a part of that 25 now. But not only did you go through with the with two pastors ago, the pastor after that split the church, right? So it's like one thing after another. And there's a sense in which I looked at some of my staff when I first got on board and go, you're burned out, and I get it, and I get it. So I didn't want to necessarily come in being the bad guy and just laying off a whole bunch of people. What I did, because there was a sense in which they had been without pastoral leadership for a while, there was no sense of accountability, right? Mm -hmm. And so each person was just kind of doing their thing, and um, some of them, they weren't even really keeping office hours. No one really knew what they were doing. So the first thing I did was, uh, tell me what you do. Mm -hmm. So I I just think as a leader, I had to come in with a listening posture. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What does a typical week look like? And I made them put it in a keynote presentation, put it up on the screen. Yeah. And one guy in his presentation, he was only working five hours a week but getting a full-time salary. Wow. And I'm going, I can't believe you put that in presentation. Appreciate your, your honesty, right? <laughs> yeah. So then I just, I then asked, these are just questions. What's yeah. your job description? Yeah. Oh, I don't really have a job description. <sighs> so you can't lead anything that you don't, you can't evaluate or inspect. Mm-hmm. These are just leadership one-on-one things. So, I put everybody on uh, on a job description thing, mm-hmm. and we start off with co- with quarterly goals, and we just created immediately a feedback culture. Mm-hmm. Half of them said, "See you later." Just from that, just from that. Wow, just from that, yeah. because they were used to doing things their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say the other half uh, about six months later, you know, they ended up either sneaking out the back door, we had to help them find their next place in, in ministry mm-hmm. but it was a blessing not only did it save us money financially but now it created
0: room for me to bring in the new wave of leadership oh wow yeah okay. now when you come in when you do have those moments where you need a bad guy you need a bad cop did you ever play bad cop or how did you when something harsh needed to be happened needed to happen in the in the near term, when you just came in, when you're coming into a transition, how do you how do you assign a bad cop? How do you play bad cop? How do you go through those hard? Yes.
1: Yeah, see, it's interesting. Um, if by bad cop, do you mean being mean? No, I, I don't think there's ever a place for that. Right. I think the problem in Christian ministry, we have too many people who are nice and not enough people who are kind. Okay. Niceness and kindness mm-hmm. are two different things. Mm-hmm. Kindness is a fruit of the spirit. Kindness says, Matt, I'm concerned about you and what's the best for you. Right. Okay. And I'm also concerned about the stewardship of this ministry mm-hmm. and what's the best for this ministry, because my Bible tells me I have to give an account for their souls. Mm-hmm. So wow. but niceness tends to be self-protective. Mm-hmm. So if I'm nice, niceness is actually symbolic of pride. Mm-hmm. I'll bite my tongue. And instead of telling you mm-hmm. what's best for you and what's best for the organization, I'll go into self-protective mode Mm -hmm. because I just don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really a face of pride. But if I'm kind to you, I got to go, hey, bro, I love you. We've had great times, but this ain't working. So how can we set you up to Mm -hmm. where you have a a pretty long runway off of here and we can make sure you and your family land well and Mm -hmm. we can get you to the next place? That's what we want. Like, I... I'm so proud. One of the, one of the, one of the guys we did this to is still coming to our church, oh, wow, okay. and I, I just think that's how it should be. But I'm fine having a posture of kindness and mm-hmm. saying hard things. Gotcha. Leadership is not for the faint of heart, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, at the same time, to have an HR person, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to be in the room when the final thing happens. Gotcha. Right. But by that time, when they walk into the room, they would have had enough
0: conversations with me to know, I'm not being ambushed here. I know what this is about. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. What would be some other, after you've come in, you've kind of had phase one where you come in and you've you've built the relationships. What what are the next steps in a transition after you've built the relationships and got to know everyone and hug and, and I'm, I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave. I'm, I'm not stepping out. What are the next phases in the transition after that? So
1: uh, now it's the actualization of the vision. So mm-hmm. one of the things we said is, listen, um, this is not going to be an attractional model. Mm-hmm. So if the if if I, I want to make sure our expectations are clear, if you think that I'm here to restore the glory days, where just put up a charismatic mm-hmm. personality and right. I'll grow this church because of my gifts, that's not. I, I'm not interested in that. I want to become not an attractional church but an equipping church Mm in Ephesians chapter four church Mm -hmm. that I exist to give you what you need to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And the one church just does that phenomenally. The way you all give ministry away, build teams, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. My impression of the one uh, church is if pastor Conway, something were to happen to him, God forbid, People will be devastated, absolutely. You'll probably lose some people, but I think this thing will just go on mm-hmm. because you all have empowered people and given ministry away. Mm-hmm. That's the model we're, we're looking to do. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I struggle with the vision question when it comes to church because I'm happy to do what they did in Acts. <laughs> if I can just catch Acts in a bottle, it would be good. I'm good. Yeah. I want to see people get saved, get baptized. I want my baptismal... Filled. I want to see people come to know what their spiritual gifts are, be empowered, empowered and developed in their leadership. I want to make disciples. I right. want to plant churches. So in some senses, if you're in the ministry, all of our vision with slight tweaks here and there should be relatively the same, right? Mm-hmm. We want to equip. We want to multiply. Uh, we, we want to give people what they need to be uh, doers in the ministry.
0: Were there, when you're, in the, when you're When you're in the transition time, is there anything you're doing to try to secure, for lack of a better way to say it, early wins along the way? Um, what are you doing, or I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say here. Uh, yeah,
1: you know, I, I think you've got to do an audit of your ministry, and I'm not just talking financial, but you, you have to spend a lot of time going, just what do I have here? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's going on here, and you try to do that before you say I do, right? But you, you and I both know, being married men, married people, you're still gonna be surprised, <laughs> and we're gonna do some surprising. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so it's almost like you know, you realize, man, I didn't see that closet, and there's a whole lot of stuff in that closet. Yeah. And so you're just trying to figure out uh, who are my influencers in the church, mm-hmm. what's going well ministry wise, what do we need to to kill a lot of a lot of walking into an existing situation trying to lead change is not only knowing what to do, and not only knowing how to do it, but knowing when to do it. Mm. See, you can get the what down and the how down and be very clear on that, but you've gotta have diplomacy. Mm. So, um, like I killed our Saturday night service. Okay. Um, the amount of energy we were putting into it based on the return that we were getting, mm-hmm. and plus I didn't like what that was doing to my even my own personal life. I wanna sit my kids' ball games, yada, yada, yada. I'm just saying, for where we're, for where we're at in the ministry, right? It's just not it's not worth it. So we we showed up and we walked with people and we talked with people. Mm-hmm. It was about a year long process, probably too longer. See, I'm a ready fire aim guy, <laughs> okay. right? And so I got to learn to aim, 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 aim in the early stages of ministry, yeah. and just going. I know you're going to be ticked off at me. Mm-hmm. Here's why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I think people need to hear the why, but this season is over, and we want to mm. thank you for your leadership, but we're mm. going in a different direction. So you got to learn, what do I need to kill here? Mm. Wow.
0: Yep. Uh, well, kind of we've talked about, you know, transition. I'm curious to know just what – I'm going to change the topic on you just yeah. for a second as we finish out. Um, what do you see uh, – one of the things we like to talk about is an, anticipatory leadership here. What do you see outside of transition and leadership? What do you see are some things that church leaders need to be preparing themselves for? I think every church
1: leader, I'll put it this way. I think every church needs to have to use a a, a baseball analogy, needs to have a minor league farm system. Mm. And what that is, if you know baseball Mm -hmm. is that's where you're just developing Mm -hmm. your future stars. Right. And, wherever i've gone i've always tried to start a residency program mm-hmm. so one of the, the language we use at abundant life is we're going to be a teaching hospital okay right so there's two kinds of hospitals there's just the regular service hospital something goes wrong with you or i man we go do wh- whatever and they go okay we're gonna take care of you a teaching hospital they go we're not a, we're not only going to take care of you but we're going to create a space where those doctors who are residents mm-hmm. who are learning their craft use a crude word, we're going to let them practice. Okay, And with the thought of at some point, three years, five years, they're now launched out Okay, because we created room for them. So I think every church should be a teaching hospital where we're developing the next generation. I think if ever, this is just me, uh, I think if five years into my leadership, I'm still having to do national searches mm-hmm. to fill positions, that tells me I'm not really... Raising up the next generation of leaders, so even uh, you know Frank, who's helping us out here on this podcast, even hearing his own story, how he was coming here and then volunteering, and then now he's on staff, right? Right. Right. He got raised up from within. Mm -hmm. I think every leader's got to be able to do that.
0: Wow. So, and you all are the example of that. Wow. We're we're learning. We're trying to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good that's a good nugget to close on. Um, so leaders, I want to challenge you. What are you doing to raise up new leaders? What are you doing to raise up apprentices? What are you doing so that you're not trying to <laughs> trying to woo the, the high-priced free agent like yep. the New York Yankees? Yep. Yep. Uh, because it's always more expensive to go that way. Yep. And you also have a culture problem too yep. when you're bringing in the free agents. Well, so. the Yankees
1: were at their best before they signed those high-priced free agents. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me you're a Yankees.
0: No. Okay, praise no, God. No, it's illegal in Texas. <laughs> Rangers, Cowboys, Mavericks. Oh, I hate no. the Cowboys. <laughs> but, I, I, man, just the farm system is huge. That analogy is so good mm-hmm. of, of raising up. What are you doing in your church, yep. in your ministry, in your organization to raise up the farm system yep. and develop people who come through your organization? It, it makes a difference. I want to challenge you guys with that To 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 start thinking through and mapping out and coming up with some measurables to how I'm gonna do this. Absolutely. How we're going to raise up some new leaders this year. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Brian, for joining us today. It's been great. And thank you for listening in with us. We'd love for you to go online and check out the show notes for this episode. And if this has been helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave a review or uh, rate this podcast on whichever medium you're listening to. We are so grateful that you've joined us again today. And we just look forward to to continuing the discussion of how we can help each other as we seek out to grow God's church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again next month.